Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats, what he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too, with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This will be a World Series preview of sorts, but we're going to look at it through the Twins' prism, through the Twins' lens. And in doing so, let's just get right to it. Uh, How should the Twins at this point feel about their Ryan Presley trade? Let's start with Roy Smalley today. You know, that's a tough one at at this point um, to say that, you know, anything good about it. But obviously the way Presley has uh, performed, he always had really interesting stuff. Um, from a spin rate standpoint, it was off the charts. And he just didn't pitch well for the Twins. He didn't pitch up to his stuff. And they gave him lots of chances. And it just wasn't uh, happening. And it wasn't happening at a time when Falvey and Levine came in and recognized that, man, we've got we've to stock the, the, the minor league system. We, got, we, we don't have anybody to call up. We don't have anybody to trade. And so they started on that, you know, on that program. And it looked like you were giving up a good arm in Presley, but you got some young guys and he really, you know, hadn't found it. And almost immediately in Houston, I don't know what the difference is, but almost immediately in Houston, he did find it. Um, Started And and basically he started throwing the ball over the plate uh, with his um, or, or close enough that spin to mess with hitters uh, just off the plate and his curveball and his slider. He threw, I mean, it was, he threw fewer uh, fastballs uh, and um, all of a sudden his stuff and his confidence, you know, took off. So, I mean, I can understand why the twins did what they did. Uh, no less a uh, baseball ec- expert than uh, a prominent former manager told me that, we were watching Presley uh, pitch uh, one uh, one night in the press box or somewhere. And we were talking about him, and he said he'll never make it. His fastball is way too straight. He'll never make it. And, and and right after that, the Twins traded him, and right after that, he became a lockdown closer. You were reminding me that uh, I remember it was like 2004, 2005, I think 2005. I'm standing behind the batting cage in the Metrodome, Morneau is in the batter's cage, bat in the in the cage, taking batting practice, early BP, and he's fouling off sixty mile an hour fastballs. And a prominent uh, twin uh, who still has a pretty big name in the market turned to me and said, "This kid's never going to figure it out." Hmm. I mean, it, it's it, evaluating baseball players to me is so hard because it's such a a fine motor skill skill sport. And you add a little bit of spin, you add a little bit of control, you add a little bit, you know, you change your grip and everything can change for you. That just isn't the way it works in other sports, you know? I, so well, I'll just I'll just reiterate something really quickly uh, uh, before Lavelle chimes in. But 
I want to I say again, this wasn't a, a young guy that uh, they pitched a couple of times and, and then said, you know, we, we're just going to trade him. This is a, this is a guy that they, I think the general consensus was the former managers. I mean, they gave him plenty of opportunity and he, and he didn't live up to it. And, you know, I, I mean, I understood the trade at the time. It just, mm-hmm. this, this is a tough one to swallow. I know for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, I believe that uh, Neil Allen was a pitching coach. Uh, right around the time Presley was traded. And this is pre West Johnson and pre analytics. And, um, and you can look at his career numbers. You can see how things changed for him after he left the twins. Cause um, the year before he was traded, he was throwing his fastball over 50% of the time um, with the Astros. He's not throwing it more than well, there's one year. He got to 39%. Other than that, it's been around 35%. Um, so he went to the Astros and they, Told him, you're, you're, these pitches are good. Just throw your better pitches more often than the fastball. And he's had success that way. And I ran into him. You know, I saw him a year later after the trade, and he was amazed at what the Astros were showing them in terms of data and usage and spin rates, and he was really taken to it. And it helped him raise his game to the next level. The Twins weren't at that point um, with their pitching department at the time because this was pre you know, this is before Wes Johnson showed up and says, we're going into uh, analytics big time here. Um, it takes 600 muscles to throw a pitch, and I'm going to get you to use as many of them as possible. You know, he, this was before all that went down. If he had remained and worked with Wes, I, I think he, his game would have eventually have flourished. But um, he joined Nationals at the right time, and they they got the most out of him. And, uh, and no, he wasn't a closer right away. He didn't become a – I think the trade was in 2018 – they made him closer, I believe, during the 2020 pandemic season, and he's been very reliable ever since. Now, good for him. It was just a, the timing was bad. The, the Twins probably, I think the Twins gave up on him a little bit early. Um, they got Akla back, or hey, Akla, in return. And uh, Akla's been, you know, you know, he's shown a lot of promise, but, you know, last year he missed most of the year because of uh, elbow issue. It wasn't Tommy Jam related. I think it was some sort of debridement or whatever. Ever. They, they did something in the elbow, but it wasn't uh, a ligament replacement. And it looks like he has the talent to be, you know, a really good reliever. Um, they also got Gilberto Celestino in the, in the deal. And right now he looks nothing more than a fourth outfielder. So um, it's kind of a little bit, it looks like a trade that didn't work. But at the time, you know, Fabian Levine just joined the organization and they were like, you know, we got to shake some things up here. We got to make moves. We got to see if we can, move a couple of players and get some pieces back and see if we hit on these guys and, and go forward. So it was just, I think a matter of timing with, with Ryan. And, you know, everything changes. Uh, speaking of uh, Alcala, everything changes. If, uh, if that kid becomes a, a uh, it, it lives up to his stuff, up to his arm, because, um, you know, they traded, they traded arm for arm, you know, stuff for stuff almost and, and got younger. So, you know, we'll wait and see. I mean, a lot, a lot of times trades take many years, not many months to, to really say, okay, how, you know, how dumb was this? Correct. You've heard from Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Of course, you know, Roy is the former twin and current twins broadcaster. Lavelle, my colleague at the Star Tribune, our producer is Brandon Morton. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at talknorth.com. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. 
It is easy. You can always go to the website, talktowork.com, check out all the shows, the archives of your favorite shows. Follow us on Twitter at TalkToWorkPod to see the shows as they are released. We want to thank our sponsor, Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkToWork.com. Uh, and thanks, thanks to everybody who listens. We do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I we think have breaking news, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Let's hear it. The Twins just announced that they have a new trainer. Oh, really? They have, yeah, they have hired Nick Paparesta. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. As a new head of flag trainer, he has spent the last 12 years as the head trainer for the Oakland Athletics. And before that, he spent uh, three years as the assistant trainer with the Rays. And interestingly enough, he is a North Fort Myers, Florida native. Hmm. So works out for him because he, he'll be spending a lot of time, you know, at the Twins Complex in Fort Myers. But he's this is a this is an experienced trainer that uh, should should walk right in and be effective right away. Because um, if he's with Oakland for that long, he must be doing something right. Yes. And if he's with the Rays, it means Baldelli has some uh, some familiarity with him. As That's well. true. Yep. Interesting. Well, it's got to be better than it was. Even if it's sheer luck, it's got to be better than it was. Yeah, uh, I, you, I, I, my question, my quick question for Roy: How much does a trainer make a difference for a club? You know, because that's that topic came up when I was writing my story about how the Twins have been swinging and missing and trying to get that part stabilized. But how how vital is a trainer to the whole process? You know, when I played, it was. Uh, it, it, I think it was. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard to say because when I, when I played the trainers uh, who had experience were pretty good, but it was um, it was all pretty much the same stuff, no matter where I, where I went, you know, you got something hurting, then you would go in early and put ice on it and get ultrasound and do exercises. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what you did. And um, I think that, uh, and the the relationship and the medical staff was the trainer and the team orthopedic doctor, right? So, uh, and the orthopedic doctors, you know, that I was around, you know, didn't really weren't really engaged in trying to figure anything out. It was all reactive. And the reason I'm saying that is because it, not that you know anybody did a bad job. Everybody did, you know, what what they were supposed to do. And it was all high quality people and all that. But I just say that in the context of today, when there's so much more known and there's so much more, um, uh, uh, amenability to what we were talking about uh, last week or, or two weeks ago, uh, when we said, you know, we were talking about how, the training staff and the strength and conditioning staff and the nutrition uh, person and, you know, and the doctor and the orthopedic doctor, I mean, they, that ought to be a little corporation that has a, um, you know, that has uh, a, a set of objectives and a, and a process, a set of processes that, that uh, they're going to go through with every player. Right. I mean, that's, that's where the, that's where the, the game is going. That's where sports is going in terms of, uh, taking care of athletes before any injury uh, happens. And, and, and so your question, LaBelle is, I mean, it's kind of, it's it's almost apples and oranges to me now, because I think where the game needs to go to uh, is going and needs to go there faster, quicker, like tomorrow is, is is just, 
You know, there, there needs to be a real, I, I, I never understood why there's not more money spent on travel for coaches and trainers and, you know, strength and conditioning people. I mean, you know, why, uh, you know, Miguel Sano is, you know, has never, you know, why, why the hitting coach, whoever it was, is, was, you know, has never been to the Dominican Republic and, and worked with Sano all winter long, you know, at least go down there for a week and then check back in and, you know, and, and uh, the same with, with Buxton early in his career. I mean, you know, the guys that were that talented and looked like they were going to be players, but had some, some issues, uh, you know, for with hitting mechanics or whatever, never did. You never had, could figure that out. And I think now it's, it, you know, with the training staff, medical staff, the conditioning staff, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the same deal. And maybe, maybe it'll be helpful that the, the new trainer is in, you know, Fort Myers and there's a lot of guys down there and maybe they, they can, they can have regular, uh, regular uh, check-ins as far as, you know, what exactly players are doing in the off season to make themselves more prepared to play injury free during the course of the season. That's a great point, Roy. I've always asked the same question. If, you know, if player development is everything for a franchise like the twins, why aren't you working with players during what can be a very long off season? Uh, I just never got it. And, and especially, and obviously hitting coach can't go see 30 players, but you can certainly see two or three key developing players who maybe haven't developed the right routine yet. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, I actually want to get back to uh, the Presley thing. There's still some meat on that bone. We do once again want to thank uh, Corona, uh, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chim Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Again, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. If you'd like to, if you know anybody who'd like to advertise with this show or the network as we grow, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. So listen, if Alcala comes along, and it's really a dynamic late game arm. All of a sudden you got Lopez and Duran and Alcala and Jax and Thielbar and, you know, things are looking pretty good in the bullpen. I, I will admit, and I try not to get too disappointed with the young players. Sometimes it's unfair. I was very disappointed to see Celestino the last few months of the season. I thought he, he played sloppy at times and he went, I think he went from being somebody who we were kind of intrigued with for a month to somebody who, I'm just not sure I want to see him in the lineup much going forward unless something changes. Lavelle? Was that Celestino you were talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I, he really looked overmatched at the plate when I first saw him. Um, this year, um, I think it, April, May, I think sometime, there was a part in June where he was almost hitting like 300 or over 300. And I was like, oh, man, this guy's um, made some strides at the plate and can be, you know, just more than a, you know, occasional filling guy you know but then he just went in the tank i think the last two and a half months of the season i think he hit like 200 or something like that and and then uh he got ejected from the game for that one game late in the season and rocco had to talk to him and um i he just doesn't show he doesn't show me much uh, like i said fourth outfielder at the at the best um at least he could play all three outfield positions so he could fill in when needed um i don't expect anything from him at the plate Akla uh, is definitely the key to the Presley deal. Uh, if he can uh, come back healthy next year and go back to throwing 97 miles an hour with that improving breaking ball, you know he's going to be an asset in that bullpen. 
Um, and you can say, well, uh, the Presley deal was a wash. We got someone who helped us down the road for someone who helped Houston right off the bat, you know. Um, but I, I don't see Celestino as a guy who who moves a change in the, the chains in that regard whatsoever. What do you think, Roy? Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, it, he is it, one thing. I mean, he's, he plays he plays a decent outfield, and so for, as a fourth outfielder and a guy that can play center field, uh, you know, for a short period of time or occasionally here and there, I, I thought he was I thought he was fine. Um, he's just. I just don't see him hitting, and and the reason I don't see him hitting is because he hits the ball. The, the only he can't pull a fastball. His fastball is to right field, which, as everybody knows, hearing from me, you know, all, as much as I've said this, I mean, a guy's ability to hit a fastball the other way, so uh, with with authority, so that he can, you know, he can stay on breaking balls and yada yada. You've heard me say this ad infinitum, but, but you know that it, it may sound funny for me to say I don't like the way he hits the ball to right field. But he hits the ball to right field because he can't catch up. He's not trying right. to hit the ball to right field. He can't catch up. Yep. Um, it, he's got the longest, uh, the most. Uh, I, I don't know how to how to put it. It. it I, I want to say he's got he's got the longest short swing I've ever seen. He's got. <laughs> I, I, it looks so much of a struggle uh, for him to catch up with a fastball. And I look at his hand position and I look at what he does. I go, you know. I, I don't. It doesn't look like sometimes you can see mechanics and guys. You say, "Well, here's why he's struggling to get it, you know to get the ball." And you look at him, and you don't see anything. Uh, you don't see anything glaring. He just he just can't. His hands look like the path is going to be relatively short, but the struggle to get the big end of the bat to the ball out in front of the plate is is mighty it's just it's and and i just it's hard for me to figure and the one thing that i will say is that i that i noticed him doing he'll he, when he's out of the box he'll step out of the box or when he's about to get in for the first time he he kind of he takes his front shoulder and he dips toward home plate so and I, you see guys doing that and say okay yeah he wants to keep that that front shoulder in there right everybody says that it was, that's been said for 120 years keep your Keep your front shoulder in. Keep your front shoulder in. I, with him, and, and he's got a little bit of a closed stance, and and I think that's a big part of the problem. I, he's uh, he doesn't need to keep his sh- front shoulder in any more than it's already in because if it moves toward the plate at all, it, he's done. I mean, he just he can't get it opened back up and. And so that's the only thing that I've seen. I, I think it, it's almost ironic that he would have as hard a time as he has catch up with a fastball. And his last thought, you know, swing thought when he steps in the box is, okay, I'm going to really keep my shoulder in longer. I, mean, I look at that and go, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's, it, it, this, is, this, is, this is not happening. And I'd like to see him do something completely different. I don't think he – you know, I don't know that he's going to be able to – to hit, but I don't think he's going to hit doing what he wants to do right now. And I think he's either, he's either got to back off the plate even more, close up his stance even more, almost like he's, you know, the old Dan Ford back to the pitcher almost. (laughs) And just recognize that you're going to, you need to give yourself two or three extra feet on the fastball. So you're going to back off and you're going to hit it way back over the plate and, and, you know, set up to hit the right field as hard as you can, you know, and, 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 and do it that way, 
or else he's got to get up on the plate and open up his stance and say, you know what, I'm going to get the head out. I, I don't, I, I don't know what else to say about him, but it's a long-winded way of a mechanical way of saying Lavelle's absolutely right. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'll also, uh, this reminds me of another obscure moment in Twins history. Uh, the Twins signed Kevin Moss to be a middle-of-the-order hitter, the guy who had was kind of a phenom for the Yankees and then didn't do much. Uh, the Twins signed him, I think this is 95, one of their worst teams. And spring tra- I'm covering a spring training game, and he hits two doubles. He's a left-handed batter, hits two doubles to left center field, both to the wall. And post game, everybody's raving about him and talking about, isn't that great? He stays back. He hits the ball the other way. And I, and I could tell as TK is saying diplomatic things that he really isn't buying it. So I hang back and I said, okay, TK, what, what did you really see? He said, this dude can't get around on a fastball. Yeah. And he was right. Uh, Moss had no chance. So yeah, yeah, yeah hitting I think the- that's where, that's where Celestino is right now. And I'm not saying I mean, he's a young kid. He's got talent. He's got a strong body. I mean, um, you know he, he can't hit the hit the pitches to right field that he hits uh, without having some some talent. I mean because he can hit the ball with authority over there. I mean, uh, but he can't hit the ball with authority anywhere else. And they're just gonna they're just gonna keep you know pounding him inside until it's until it's over with. And so I mean I he's just I I think he's got to do something different. Going back to the Ryan Presley conundrum, that is the toughest thing for an organization to do is cut loose somebody who's talented but hasn't done anything yet. Uh, eventually, you got to make a decision on it. Is there any comparison to be made to Emilio Pagan? Pagan throws 97. He has a nasty breaking pitch. He's had some success in the big leagues over the course of his career. He seems completely lost right now, and the Twins have to decide whether to non-tender him or not. Uh, let's start with, uh, with Roy on this one. What do you think? You know, I've been a defender of uh, Emilio Pagans just because of what because of what you said because of his stuff. I've seen him throw, you know, high fastballs by people that you know that would generally you would hit a high fastball. I've seen him throw some great sliders on the outside corner to just off to strike guys out, and I've seen him throw a nice uh, split finger. Um, and I said earlier, and he came up to me actually. I forget, you know, I think maybe I was in. Where was I? In Milwaukee, maybe it was. And I, I had said uh, some things on the air about I think I think he's got a real chance. I'd like to see him become a fastball split finger guy because uh, I'll go back to what I was just saying about his stuff. All these all these pitches that he's got when he throws them in good spots uh, are extremely effective. The problem has been that he throws his fastball down the middle a lot and hangs his slider a lot. And for whatever reason, hitters never miss it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, that in and of itself is a little bit odd. Uh, it makes you wonder about the carry on his fastball. Or, I mean, I understand get, you know, hanging sliders getting hit. But I, anyway, I said that I thought he ought to be high fastball and low split finger changeup pitcher in a role in a relief role, mix in a slider when he's uh, way ahead in the count. We doesn't have to throw a strike with it, you know. You know, bury some, you know, bury some sliders on the outside corner or, uh, or to right handers on the back foot of left handers when he's zero and two or one and two. But be if you know. But I think he could be a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball and good split finger changeup pitcher primarily. And he came up to me wherever we were on the road, and he said, "I, you know, I heard 
what you said. I must have said it after he was out of a game one time and he was on the clubhouse mm-hmm. podcast, I guess. He said, I really appreciate what you, you know, what you said. And, um, you know, I, 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 I've thought about it and I like it. And, and um, so, frankly, the rest of the season, he pitched more like that. He was throwing a lot more split fingers. Uh, the fastball he spotted and especially he tried to pitch up in the zone, which I like for him. Um, because I don't think his fastball has enough carry to be, you know, to be down. And that might sound backwards, but I think you, in this day and age, you can get away with less fastball up and down than you can, you know, mid thigh high. I think that mm-hmm. the guys now you're, if you're not throwing the ball a hundred, it's tough to throw it by them need a thigh high. And, and so uh, I, I'm going to stick with my uh, stick with him and stick with my feeling about him here for a while, because I look at that stuff and I and I just think to myself, there's got to be a way strategically for him to pitch to hitters that this stuff can play. You know, this is um this is the first year he's thrown a splitter. He has not thrown a splitter any other season. Uh, I don't know if that was his decision or the Twins' decision, but he pretty much uh, really backed off of throwing the slider. And uh, and and really started using the split finger fastball. So um, you're wondering, wondering if you know year one of throwing this pitch is just part of the process here that he comes to spring training, throwing it even better, throwing it with better movement, and uh, sees the results uh, with that pitch that helps make his fastball even more effective. And he's been, he's tried to throw fewer fastballs. His, He's thrown 61% of his pitches have been fastballs through his career, but this past year, he only threw 51% fastballs. So um, he's trying to tinker with something there. I, I think it's worth work. I thought it was worth worth working with that arm. Um, I've kind of gone on the other side now, thinking that uh, he's uh, and anyone, anyone that sees Pagan, it's gonna he is representative of everything that went wrong with Twins baseball <laughs> during the second half of last year, um, and and maybe you know change the scenery would do well, but I don't know what the Twins regret get. And I've also been told with someone with the club that they do think that if they want to trade Pagan during the offseason, that they could get something for him that would be halfway decent. So uh, I'm curious to see how they handle him. This offseason, will they non-tender him? Will they shop him around, see if a team wants to take a flyer on him and see what they get in return? Or do they ultimately decide, you know, let's, start, let's work with this guy another year. He just got off of throwing the splitter for the first time in his career. Let's see if we can get that pitch even more effective in 2023. So um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what direction they go with him. If they had to bring him back as a late-inning reliever, nobody would want to see it. If he's right. coming back as your sixth reliever, True. You know, I mean, you have a sixth reliever who has some who has experience and, and has that stuff. That's where, you know, he might fit in and get comfortable and actually be something. You know, you I, know uh, it, I mean, that's the whole point. I, I think the fact that they now have uh, the back end that they have um, uh, with the, uh, you know, the two big guys. Uh, and then they have Jackson and uh, Fieldbar. Don't know what they're um, going to do with um, the, um, the the cut fastball throwing dude from Detroit um, uh, that, uh, at the deadline, Michael Fulmer. Fulmer? Yeah. yeah, Michael Fulmer. I think, isn't Fulmer going free agent? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yes. I, he, he is eligible to be free agent, so I don't know if they're going to try to make him, you know, be in the, in the hunt, you know, for him. Probably, probably not. But my point is, 
um, you know, with the with the closers, the, you know, the eighth and ninth inning guys, the tandem that they have, um, and Jacks being uh, pretty good and Fieldbar being pretty good, and now Alcala, let's say Alcala just comes back and is what we've seen from Alcala. Maybe maybe he doesn't even get any better, but he's, if he's if he's the same he's been, that's pretty good. Now he's, you know, the thing we've talked about forever is that you get you get guys like. Uh, you know, at the at the back of your bullpen, like they have now, um, everybody's role gets pushed up in the game and gets uh, and, and gets frankly easier for the stuff and makeup that they have. And and so I, I'd hate to give up on Pagan. Give it now that they yeah, that they have the back end of the bullpen uh, is so strong. I'd, I'd hate to give up on uh, on him pitching in you know the last last out or two of the fifth or sixth inning. Well, a healthy uh, Alcala uh, probably pairs with Jorge um, Lopez as setup guys for, for Duran, who should be the closer next year. So under, if that you if you have that set up, then you, you don't need Pagan in the eighth inning. He can pitch the sixth or the seventh, and maybe he can get right that way. So I agree with Jim in that regard. If he's, if he's part of the bridge to be in, to get into the closer, just not the, just not the eighth inning guy. <laughs> yeah, I think Roy hit on it. You have uh, you have the, those three at the end. If Alcala contributes, even if he doesn't, you still have Jax. You have Thielbar. You have, they like Moran yeah. a lot as a second lefty. I mean, Pagan really might be a, a fifth, sixth inning guy. And listen, you don't want to give up. You know, obviously, you don't want to have anybody pitch badly at any point in the game, but. That's not that's a less less pressurized situation where a guy might be able to work on some things uh, and and maybe pitch in some lopsided games as well. And there might be there might be something there. And stuff is so important. It's just hard. It's hard to see them just giving up on him. And I would actually say if somebody if they started getting reasonable trade offers for him, that'd be a great sign that there is something there that they should work on work with. Correct. That's true. All right, let's get a let's get a final thought. We have actually a bunch of topics we're going to get to next week that we didn't get to this week, Twins and, and baseball topics. But the World Series is starting tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. So we're not going to do any predictions or anything like that. Just each of you, if you would, give me your thoughts on this World Series matchup. What strikes you about it? Let's start with Roy. Yeah, uh, unlike the networks, I love this uh, matchup. <laughs> uh, I know the networks. We're counting. We're counting on either or both of the Yankees and Dodgers. But I love this matchup. I mean, the Phillies are such an intriguing team because you look at the way they've pitched in the postseason, and you say, "Okay, how were they ever 10, 11 games back?" I mean, mm-hmm. how how are they ever? And uh, with Bryce Harper swinging the bat the way he is now in uh, in the middle of that lineup, I mean, he just looks like. A a veteran stud. He looks like like everything is going his way mentally and emotionally. And of course, he has that physical talent. His his, his approach to the plate's been phenomenal. And you look at that lineup, and they've got some guys that can put some runs on the board. And then you look at the starting pitching that they have, three guys deep, and that's pretty good. And the and the the bullpen has been absolutely lights out. So you say, well. They're playing the Astros, and the Astros have kind of the same exact deal going on. So, I mean, I'm excited about this. It's it really is down to uh, just performance now, it, it, uh, and that's what's fun about it. It's not 
okay, these guys have to really overachieve. These guys are better. Does the other, do the other guys have a chance in a seven-game series? Maybe. This just looks like a, a classic matchup of, uh, uh, of pitching and hitting on both sides to me, and I'm, I'm looking forward. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I know they they wanted either New York, the, the Yankees, or the Dodgers to make the World Series for ratings, but Philadelphia is no slouch as a market <laughs> number one. And um, Houston's a huge market. Yeah, Houston's like fourth, right? Yep. Isn't like the fourth or fifth largest markets? Yeah, I think this. this yeah, is I'm just not... talking about national. You know, I'm just talking yeah. about the national interest. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, te- it tends to go down if it's not. But the, you, you know, about, I mean, maybe people will. <laughs> I just talked to a lot of people that were pulling for the Yankees for the first time in their lives because they hate they hate the Astros ever since. Yeah. Ever since okay. They so I mean I I don't know I I think Philadelphia is great, uh, not as not as good as uh, New York, Boston nationally, or or, or the, the Cubs for example. Certainly not the Dodgers. So you know I mean, but anyway, go ahead, Lavelle. I'm sorry. I just I was thinking about national. No, you're right. You're right, Roy. You're absolutely that was right. A, that was a yeah, throwaway yeah. comment because I no think what no team, no problem. You know, um, you know, uh, you got Bryce Harper, who's uh, who's capable of an iconic moment at any point of the series. You got Yordan Alvarez, who may be the most dangerous left-handed power hitter, not named Bryce Harper. <laughs> um, Dusty Baker is a fascinating angle because I think he's been in three World Series, has not won any of them, and he has like over three thousand games of experience. And he's facing the, a, a guy, Rob Thompson, who is who uh, is a guy from Canada who hasn't managed more than like 65 games, you know? And so you've, you've got the, the, the KG veteran in one dugout. You got the, the relatively new guy in the other dugout. You got two teams that can score a little bit. Um, I think the Phillies bullpen has been their issue during the season, but they've actually pitched much better in the postseason, And that's really helped. And you got a pitcher in Zach Wheeler, you know, who could be the horse, you know, he could be the guy who could end up pitching multiple, you know, two, maybe three times in this series. And um and, and and impact the series that way. He's already been nails this postseason, and he is gonna he is gonna go after uh, this Astros team uh, with no fear at all. So um, I I think there is some interesting uh, collision points here with these two teams. Yeah, and my my final thought on that is uh, Dusty Baker is one of my favorite figures in baseball. Uh, I love seeing him succeed, even though unfortunately he manages the Astros uh, and. The Philly fan, Philly fan base is pretty fun. The first World Series I ever covered was 93. Uh, Paul Molitor and the Jays against the Phillies, and that was a blast. And now they have the new stadium. Uh, and, you know, Eagles fans take it too far. They'll beat you up. They'll kill you. Um, you know, Phillies fans seem to have just a really good time with it. So I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, seeing Dusty Baker manage. I'm looking forward to the Phillies fans going nuts during games. And it's that'll be, be a wrap. Oh, good, Roy. It's going to be no. It's going to it's going to be a great series, and and you know, to, it, it, here you say, you talk about the Astros as well. The way I think, I'm I'm over the Astros cheating because Dusty's there. Yeah, uh, right. It, it it reminds me of like a uh, a I don't know name like an eighth grade uh, class, and you got a bunch of spoiled, rotten, unruly kids, and and they're. Their their teacher is uh, is absolutely overmatched, and then all of a sudden this this other teacher comes in, and just on sheer reputation and personality, they all the recalcitrant kids you know just shut up and 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 study right and and so I I look at baseball players an awful lot and 
and I look at the, the cheating scandal, as bad as it was, as much as I wanted, you know, more punishment uh, than there, you know, than there was, you know, it's it's over now, and they're they're terrific players, and they're not cheating, and they've got a manager that's classy and and terrific, and so I'm just going to say, you know what, just go out there and play. I'm I, I'm all in. Plus, the main the main guy behind that scandal uh, was Carlos Beltran. He's nowhere to be seen this year, so. Right, um, you know. Right. Let, I mean, you get, you get some guys. You get you get a, you get a veteran guy that makes it, you know, that does something really, really stupid like that and leads the, you know, leads the the sheep down the down the path. And you know, I just know players. They get they get excited about something that's that's working, and they 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 got to figure it out. And isn't this cool? Where you know nobody nobody knows what we're doing, and we're just killing it and all that. And I, I really. I, I think of them a lot of baseball players as not fully mature grown men <laughs> as grown men that are that are playing a kids game that are still kind of kind of kids and some judgments that they make and so uh, you know hopefully you know they've all they've all grown up now and and we can you know we can just get past that and and enjoy their talent because they're 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 talented no doubt about it. Right, good stuff from Roy. Good stuff from Lavelle. As always, thank you for listening. Next week, we'll get into some more some more Twins issues. We'll talk about the World Series and pending free agency. Thanks again for listening to TalkNorth.com. Check out all the other shows at the network.